0: On the Record, with White House correspondent April Ryan.
1: Well, with me today is someone who has been on the front lines of civil rights, humanity, human rights, and um, just on the front lines, period, for decades. I'm speaking of none other than the Reverend Al Sharpton. Reverend Al, thank you for joining me with On the Record with April Ryan. Thank you so much.
0: Well, thank you. Honored to be here on the record
1: with nobody <laughs> better than April Ryan. <laughs> well thank you. Well thank you. Listen, I mean for times such as this, and I just wanna just drill down on this week, um, the president Reignited a firestorm on the controversy about taking the knee. He talked about it at NASCAR, uh, basically saying that this NASCAR crowd, he sure will stand for, for the national anthem. Reverend now what do you think that is all about?
0: Well, I think obviously the president is obsessed with race. And he brings it up even when it is not something that is the calendar item that he's dealing with. First of all, let's remember that the team uh, that won the uh, NBA uh, runoffs last season with Steph Curry and them wouldn't go to the White House. He brings NASCAR, which is identified with his base, to uh, the White House and honors them. And then he couldn't resist taking a shot at the knee-ins and protests that Colin Kaepernick had inspired. It sends all kinds of signals to his base, but it also shows his subliminal thought that he cannot resist taking any shot at black protests around legitimate issues such as police misconduct because that is what the knee-ins were all about. And I think that it is offensive to all Americans, particularly black Americans, but all Americans, because why would you use a celebratory occasion for something that you're honoring the champions of NASCAR to take a shot at others that have stood up in a legitimate protest about a legitimate concern? We are right now in this country in the midst of what has happened in two incidents, for example, at, uh, the, uh, uh, at the at the at uh, the the restaurants, waffle houses. One in Mobile, Alabama, uh, with the case of Clemens, uh, Shakita Clemens, who I went down and rallied with on her behalf, where she was dragged and had her breast exposed by police for no reason uh, that the police even were called. And then the case of Hall in uh, Warsaw, North Carolina. In the midst of this, he is trying to ridicule a protest that clearly is alive. We don't have to go back to the incidents of the last three or four years. We have incidents right now with police, which is why people are taking a knee in.
1: Well, we now and, and, and there are still some cases that have that is still on, uh, on the table, particularly as it relates to the Department of Justice. We know um, Gwen Carr is still looking for justice for her son, even though that wasn't a police-involved shooting. That was a choking death. That was caught on videotape. Um, Eric Garner said, I can't breathe 11 times, and he died on the scene. I mean, what happens when the narrative is stolen by the President of the United States? It originally came out to be a way of saying, look, let's focus attention on this. It wasn't meant to disrespect our military. It wasn't meant to disrespect the country. It was meant to help form a more perfect union being part of We the People. Am I correct?
0: That is correct. And when you look at the fact, and you know, we were very much involved and still are with the Ergana case, the Trump case you cited, and the Department of Justice has not come back at all with a decision four years later. And there's been a number of reports that the people investigating the case said charge the police. They can get the agreement from Washington since Attorney General Sessions has come in, appointed by President Trump. And, and when civil rights leadership met with Sessions, he would not commit. When you look at that, and you also add to that, the president saying that to policemen, to law enforcement, when he came to speak to them in Long Island, New York, that when you arrest people, don't be gentle, don't put their hands down, uh, don't be so kind to them when you're arresting them. He's almost supporting aggressive, if not illegal policing. And his administration has demonstrated that. And I think today's barb was indicative of that.
1: Well, Reverend Al, I want to ask you this. I mean, we we, NFL players, uh, many of those who are stellar athletes um, at the top of their game in sports are making a lot of money. And the problem is when they go out, there there are several problems, but when they go out, people are like, oh, that doesn't affect you. But people don't realize no matter what your title is, you're still black and people don't see what you are. They see your race when you're just being black. But here's the question I want to ask you. Is there any fault to be laid on some of these NFL players who were taking the knee, but they did not hire PR campaigns or, or go out and really make a big effort to say why? They, the president said one thing, and you know, people who understood the cause were saying, but it wasn't loud enough to drown out the false narrative that was given.
0: I think that uh, you're absolutely correct, because messaging is part of movement. You know, people are critical of those of us that have been high profile in the civil and human rights movement uh, not understanding that if you don't have your narrative out there, your issue cannot be solved unless you make it public. So when people, for example, would criticize me and say, well, Al Chapman just wants publicity, that's exactly what I want. That's why people call me. They don't call me a National Action Network to get involved in a case to keep it quiet. They want us to bring publicity and to publicize the policies that's needed to deal with their grievances and to deal with their double standard, the double standard that they're being subjected to. And I think the NFL players had a real opportunity to stand up and control the narrative and connect that narrative to the problems that they were exposing. Other than that, you're left with a president who can tweet and use his bully pulpit to interpret them as anti-patriotic or unpatriotic, rather than they're standing up for the promise of what America has said it stood for. And I think that that is something that they should have done. They should have come together and hired a PR team, someone that understands the black community, understands how to deal with these questions and if, if Hillary Clinton could get Mothers of the Movement to tour with her during the sixteen race, they could have had Mothers of the Movement with them and talk about the actual cases that are... Talk about 12-year-old Tamir Rice. Talk about Sandra Bland. Talk about Eric Garner. And I think that that would have been the way to continue to counter this kind of false narrative and Really, propaganda that the
1: president has engaged in. Well, you're listening to Reverend Al Sharpton with me, April Ryan, on the record with April Ryan, and we're talking about once again President Trump reigniting the issue of the national anthem and taking the knee. Reverend Al, I don't know the statistics, and, and you're 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 very in touch with all of this. What? What does it look like in America, if you can give me numbers, what have you, with this national anthem issue? Because I understand this really resonates with the president's base, this certain base that, that looks at race in a different prism than we do. What What is what is it that you're hearing or saying, you know, black versus white as it relates to this taking the knee issue?
0: I think that whites uh, have, uh, in many regard, enough whites uh, that are uh, really solidly Uh, behind the president, who he's praying to, uh, that group feels that we've given blacks enough. They have civil rights laws, but they ignore that they are not being enforced. Uh, Did we have y'all with a black president? But they tried to stymie him at every turn. So it's almost like we've done enough of that. Let's move on. Move on to what if it's not solved? And many of them never wanted to see anything done in the first place. When you are at the advantage side of a disadvantaged circumstance, you don't have the same sensitivity. Now, I hasten to add, April, that there are many whites that have uh, rallied and, and supported it in many ways, including the front lines with all of these cases that we continue to fight. But there is a block in this country Uh, Some polls put it as high as over 40% that feels that race is not a priority issue and that we are just making trouble. Despite the fact you see a video, you see a video, as you mentioned, of Eric Garner being choked to death saying 11 times, I can't breathe. You see a Tamir Rice on video where a policeman rolls up and in seconds shoots him without any kind of trying to find out if what they thought they said was a gun was, in fact, a gun. A 12-year-old boy, a 12-year-old kid at a playground. So I think that there are some that don't want to see reality, and they have a president that has dangerously put a presidential stamp on it. It's one thing when we were fighting uh, six years ago, those in uh, in in Sanford, Florida, around Trayvon, That we are looking at the situation and dealing with a guy who wasn't even law enforcement. It's another when people have a presidential seal, a White House verbal as well as cosmetic uh, and optical support for their being anti dealing with any of these matters as a just matter and then bringing it back today continuing to mock those that dare raise an issue of protest.
1: What's Colin Kaepernick saying about this, Um, you know, just all of this? I mean, he's not doing interviews. What is he saying about this?
0: I mean, I I, have not spoken with him, but I do not know what he's saying. I'm glad that he has not backed down, Uh, but he must be looking at this uh, uh, knowing that what you uh, and I and any fair-minded American would know is that there's legitimacy to what he started and that he must have the faith that in the end he will be vindicated The, 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 the whole world is looking at this kind of behavior and whether it is racism in terms of blacks or whether it is homophobia with the lgbtq community whether it is gender or bias with women this president has come down on the wrong side of all of these issues, with all of these Americans. And it is frightening to think of the damage he can do by appointing federal judges that will have, in many cases, permanent seats there. They serve for life. Supreme Court uh, justices, he's already appointed one, a seat they hijacked from the appointment of President Trump. People should not get so caught up in the day-to-day drama of the investigations cannot realize that he is effectively restructuring government by putting in young, far-right wingers that do not believe in an America that is inclusive and fair. Huh.
1: And, and and with that I got two more questions and, and and you know we're in a time such as this this is not normal I don't care what side of the spectrum you're on you know people say on the right you know this is what we wanted we wanted to break the system and the people on the left said I've never seen anything like this and it's, it, we're going back but either way we know this is not the normal or the, the norm or the standard that this country has been dealing with at least in the last uh, I would say 20 years that I've been at the White House but I want to ask you something and this is really really important President Trump President Trump along with his son-in-law Jared Kushner are embarking on prison reform pulling in black leaders trying to gain their trust and also talking about uh, 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 an urban agenda how is black America going to trust him when he's embarking on this and he comes back and does this for the NASCAR community or his base is there something that it doesn't connect I mean, tell me what you think.
0: It does not connect, and it, it is incongruous to say you're going to have prison reform. Leave sentencing out of it, which is the reason people are in prisons for so long. Try, take away uh, the uh, order by President Obama to end privatized federal uh, jail You reinstitute that, where some of your supporters can make a business out of incarcerating people. And then that's not enough that you've done structural damage. You turn around and verbally mock us like you did today at the NASCAR meeting on any number of tweets, any number of speeches that people feel is unpatriotic to question law enforcement or question racism. And then turn around and say we're being divisive.
1: Hmm. Reverend Al, my last question of you in our time, and I thank you so much for joining me. Reverend Al, you're a New Yorker, and so is President Donald John Trump. Has he invited you to sit and talk since that first time that he's reached out to you? And if you had a chance to talk to him right now, what would you say?
0: Well, he called me, as you said, when he first got elected about a month in, and I told him the only way I would meet is if we could bring leaders of national civil rights groups, uh, the same group that met with uh, President Obama all the time, and what met with President Bush, who was a Republican, because I was not going to be part of a photo op. He did not want to do that. Then uh, he sent Amarosa Manigault to our National Action Network convention, and she said, I could arrange a private meeting. I don't want a private meeting. We're talking about public policy. I've known Donald Trump. Because I marched on him about the Central Park 5 case uh, 30 years ago. He didn't turn later and said he was a Democrat. He come to Democratic Affairs. He even came to one or two National Action Network conventions. Then he went hard right, this whole birtherism movement. So I think that deep down inside, you must remember yes, we're both from the same town, but from different parts of the town. He comes less than two miles away from Howard Beach, where I led demonstrations in the late 80s because a young black boy was killed for just being in the neighborhood. So people look at New York as one big cosmopolitan and don't realize that in his and my lifetime, and he's older than me, that there were sections of New York, if you were black, you'd be killed. He took our ads to execute five young men for rape of a white woman that ended up not being guilty, and even after that, say he had it wrong, say he went with the police narrative, he said, no, they're still guilty, and opposed the city of New York settling with them when the DNA established they were not the ones that did it, and they had a confessor in jail said he was the one whose DNA matched. So he has played this race card. He's played it in business. I don't know any black that was ever a major Uh, executive in the Trump organization as long as he was in business. I don't know black contractors that said he got to deal with them. He's dealt always one way and he continues to do that. But the problem now is he has executive power, which is why people have to come out and vote. They have an opportunity in the midterm election to cut him off in terms of the legislature. uh, If the Congress and the Senate Uh, would uh, uh, be uh, full of people that would check him and that would not let him just go unanswered. And they certainly can be ready in 2020 if he is not uh, charged or in some way having to leave office. But history will not be kind to us if we sit by and allow him to unravel the sacrifices that was made with bloodshed, losing their lives, leaving their families to fight for other families. We should not go down in history as the generation that lost it all, or even much of what was made and given to us by those that did it, bathed in the blood of martyrs.
1: And you know, I said I was going that was going to be my last question—but I have one more question to ask you, and it's simple. The NAACP says that the intersection of power and prejudice equates to racism and a racist. Is this president a racist, in your opinion?
0: You know, I had tried for a long time to refrain from calling names, but you can't assess that he's anything other than that. And the fact that he is not even shamed of what he's done and what he has been called out on, only a racist would be comfortable with being labeled the way he is. Unequivocally, I think that the president has proven that he has, uh, he is racist. And if he is not the racist, he'll do to the right one shows up or the wrong one shows up. And I think that it is clear that he has shown that a a a person that is outright bragging of racism could not do worse in terms of the insults, in terms of the policies and in terms of the way they're governed,
1: No one but Reverend Al Sharpton can give you these words and just make you want to sit and keep listening. Reverend Al, thank you so much for your time. Thank
0: you, April, and thank you for being April Ryan, because sometimes you're the only voice in that press room that raises the questions that I think most Americans want raised. Unfortunately, sometimes you don't get direct answers.
1: With this week's On the Record, I'm AURN White House correspondent April Ryan. Don't forget to subscribe to On the Record on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or any other podcast directory. If you like what you hear, leave a five-star review. On the Record, a product of American Urban Radio Networks.